0: Good evening everybody and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more chilling tales to satisfy your late evening and keep you awake just a little bit longer. Welcome back to a new episode featuring a couple of good, scary stories and urban legends. I've got those lined up for you, so stay tuned. But first, as I always do, I want to invite you to my website, myhaunteddolls.com. There you can find my store. Just click the shop button and you can find all of my books out there. If you want an autographed copy today, just go ahead and order. There are creepy stories and novels galore. Ghostly tales and true stories. So be sure to check those out. If you'd rather shop online elsewhere, you can also find those on Amazon.com, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. But if you want it autographed, be sure to go to my website. They're also located on e-book if you have Kindle. And prefer that. Or if you'd rather listen to your books, I do have a couple of books on audiobook. I have Crimson the Blood Painting. The novel about a true haunted painting from Salem, Massachusetts. That just might be cursed. Want to know the story? You'll have to check out the book. Or listen to it on audiobook at Audible. Or even on iTunes. iTunes. And I also have Legends of Indian Narrows, the ghost stories from the neighborhood I grew up in and spent my childhood in and heard the ghostly stories that started my interest in the paranormal. And if you get the audiobook, you'll hear me telling those stories. So be sure to check that out. Also on MyHauntedDolls.com, you'll find the link to my YouTube page, or just go to YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash MyHauntedDolls. You can find videos of my paranormal evidence, EVPs and spirit box sessions with my haunted items and dolls, There are a few story videos out there that tell about the stories behind some of these dolls in my collection, and also there are live sessions out there. Every once in a while I do a live feed that you can tune into. You don't want to miss that, so be sure to check that out, where you can spend a couple of hours watching My Haunted Items to see if you catch any evidence, audio or visual we always have a good time out there in the chats as well, so please tune into those when you can. My most recent adventure took me to an actual haunted dollhouse mausoleum located in Lynette, Alabama, where four-year-old Early, uh, where the four-year-old Earl's child is buried, and her father built a dollhouse in her honor over her grave. Her dolls are inside, and sometimes people say they hear her and they're playing. Be sure to check that video out as we caught some pretty interesting activity there, so it is definitely worth checking out. And if you're ever in Lynette, Alabama, near the Georgia state line, you might want to Go by that cemetery and see that dollhouse for yourself and pay your respects. And perhaps you might see the little Earl's child there. Nadine Earls is her name. And now let's get on over to the stories I have lined up for you. It's going to be wickedly good. So let's get down to scary business. The first chilling tale I have for you involves a group of young girls who decide to venture out into the darkness to play a game. This story is called Hiding Place. When her mother went out for the night, a 16-year-old girl named Alice invited her two best friends, Zindia and Zaira, over to her house to keep her company. They were sitting on the couch, having girl chats but then getting bored out of their minds eventually. They decided to look for something else to do. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. "'I'll get it,' said Zara. "'When she answered the door, "'there was a tall guy wearing a navy blue hoodie "'standing there. "'It was Keith, Zara's new boyfriend. "'Hey, babe,' shouted Zara. "'Come on in and make yourself comfortable.' "'Keith came into the living room and sat down on the couch.' Alice was trying to think of a game they could play to pass the time. Oh, I know, shouted Zendia. Let's play hide-and-go-seek. Everybody nodded in agreement. They went outside into the dark night. It was cold and damp, but they did not care, because they were about to have some good fun. Okay, here are the rules, explained Alice. The seeker has to count to one hundred, while the hiders have to find a hiding place and stay hidden. Really, said Zyra, sarcastically. I don't think any of us knew that already. (laughs) Let me finish, said Alice. When the hider is found, she or he has to scream to let the others know. Keith will be it, said Zyra, volunteering her boyfriend. Oh, of course, grinned Keith, for she always made him volunteer for everything they did. Keith covered his eyes and began counting while the three girls, giggling, giggling, "'split up and ran off in different directions "'to find a hiding place suitable. "'Zendia hid behind a shrub "'while Alice ducked down behind a parked car. "'Zyra didn't know where to hide, "'so she just stood behind a tree. "'Ready or not, here I come,' shouted Keith. For a long time, there was nothing but silence. Alice grew bored of her hiding spot, so she went to find Zyra. The two girls crouched behind the tree together. Then, they heard a loud cry in the distance. Ah! maybe he caught Zendia whispered Zyra just then they heard a strange voice behind them whisper psst Alice and Zyra turned around and screamed ha I found you shouted Keith oh my god Keith you almost gave me a heart attack Alice cried angrily. "'Wait, where's Zindia? asked Zyra. "'Uh, I didn't find her yet,' Keith replied. The girls looked at each other, wondering about the cry they'd heard in the distance. They all decided to go look for her, and walked around the housing estate in the darkness." After searching for 30 minutes, there was still no sign of Zendia, and the other girls were getting worried. Just then, they happened to look behind a large bush, and all of them screamed in horror. Zendia was lying on the ground in a pool of blood, She had been stabbed in the chest. On her corpse, pinned with a knife, there was a scribbled note. It simply read, I've found you. And the moral of that story, young ladies, is not to go venturing out into the night where all kinds of scary and maddening things might be hiding to jump out and grab you. Well, we're just getting started. I've got another story up for you. This next story has been around for many generations and comes from Ireland. Yes, I really do love a good Irish ghost story. Let me tell you, they've got some good ones there. And this one is right up there with them. It's called Dead Man. Years ago, in Ireland, there was a young girl named Mary Colhane. Her family was very poor, and they lived in a whitewashed cottage down a country lane. She had six younger brothers and sisters and spent a lot of her time taking care of them. Her father worked as a grave digger in the local cemetery next to the Catholic Church. It was the only job he could get because he had been born with a bad leg. One day, when her father came home, he sat down and sighed. He was extremely tired after working all day. I can't believe it, he said. I left my blackthorn walking stick back at the graveyard. If I don't go back for it, someone will steal it. It was the last thing my poor, departed father gave me before he died. I can barely walk without it. Mary Colhane was always a helpful girl, and she knew how tired her father was. She fetched her shawl and said, I'll get it for you, Daddy. She ran out the door before anyone could stop her. At the time, many people in Ireland were superstitious and nobody dared to go into a cemetery after dark. By the time Mary reached the gates of the graveyard, the moon was out and the wind was whistling through the trees. She carefully walked around the graves, making sure she did not step on any of them, because that would mean bad luck for her. She spotted the blackthorn walking stick lying against an old oak tree, and ran over to pick it up. Unfortunately, She wasn't looking where she was going and fell into a freshly dug grave. She got up on her hands and knees and tried to climb out, but the grave was too deep. Suddenly, she felt something crawling up her back. A chilling voice whispered in her ear. Little girl, I've been waiting a long time for someone to drop by. Now that you're here, you must take me into town to get something to eat. I have a terrible hunger and an awful thirst in me. Mary's heart skipped a beat. She knew that the thing that was whispering in her ear could not possibly be alive. She could feel its rotting fingers stroking her hair and its fetid breath blowing against her neck. The dead thing's arms wrapped around her body, and she could feel its rib cage digging into her back. She was helpless and alone. There was no doubt that the dead man would surely kill her if she did not do his bidding. She reached up to the grave's edge and took hold of two clumps of grass. Then she pulled with all her might. She felt the weight of the dead man dragging on her shoulders Somehow, she managed to lift herself out of the grave with the corpse clinging to her back. As she lay in the mucky grass, trying to regain her breath, the corpse screamed in her ear, "'Get up, young girl. "'Get up and carry me into town. "'I'll ride you like a horse.'" Mary slowly got to her feet, and with the dead man straddling her back, she trudged towards the village. When they came to the main road and saw a house, the dead man hissed, Take me into this here house so that I may feed. Mary climbed up the steps with great difficulty. When they reached the front door, the corpse cried out, Not here! Not here! For I do smell the stench of holy water. The frightened girl walked down the steps and went to the next house. Again, as they reached the front door, the corpse cried out, Oh no! Away with us! For I do get the stink of holy water here as well. Mary walked on down the road until they came to a third house. This is a house that has no holy water, hissed the dead man. Take me into the kitchen and I'll find myself a bit to eat. Mary walked down the darkened hallway to the kitchen. There she let the corpse slide off her back and onto a chair. All that was in the cupboard was some porridge and some dirty water. I'll teach these vagabonds and blackguards not to leave me anything. Let me on your back. Again, Mary did as the dead man commanded her to do. Now take me up these stairs. Mary was reluctant to go upstairs because she knew the family who lived in this house. She went to school with the three boys who slept upstairs. But the evil corpse dug its bony fingers into her neck and threatened to choke her to death she slowly made her way to the top of the stairs. There, in the pale moonlight, she could make out the figures of three young boys lying fast asleep in their beds. The corpse took out a sharp knife and slit each boy's throat. Mary turned her head and looked away, she could not bear to watch. The dead man collected their blood in a jug. With the first drop of blood, their breathing stopped. With the second drop of blood, their, their hearts stopped beating. And with the third drop of blood, all life left their bodies. He took the jug full of blood and said, "'Take me back down to the kitchen so that I may feast.' Mary sadly walked down the stairs and into the kitchen. The dead man took the bowl of porridge and poured the jug of blood over it. When he finished, he took a spoonful of the bloody mess and and gave it to Mary Colhane. "'Eat this!' he said. "'No!' she cried. "'You'll do it, and you'll do it now,' he said, and he wrapped his arm around her throat. She took the spoon from his grasp and brought it to her lips. The dead corpse picked up the bowl and began slurping and licking up the bloody porridge. While he wasn't watching, Mary quickly threw her spoonful on the ground. The corpse put down his bowl. "'We must hurry,' he hissed. "'I must be back in my grave before the morning comes.' As they left the house... The corpse began laughing insanely. "'You know there was a way that those boys could have lived,' he cackled. "'You see, if they were to drink their own blood, they could come back to life. But all the blood is gone, and now there is no way.' On and on into the night they went." The creature whispered in her ear, telling her evil stories and disgusting things that no one wants to hear and nobody would ever repeat. The moon was going down and the sun began to rise. They were close to the cemetery when Mary heard a rooster crowing. "'What is that godforsaken noise?' screamed the dead man. Mary knew full well it was a rooster and that morning was fast approaching but she said Oh it sounds like the bleeding of a sheep or maybe it is the moo of a cow Quickly shouted the corpse get me to the cemetery for i feel myself weaken Mary saw the oak tree she saw the open grave She walked slowly towards it. Just then, the sky broke open, and the first beam of morning drew across the sky and into the graveyard. The rooster crowed three times. The corpse let go of her shoulders and slid down into the grave. Mary Colhane was free of its deathly grip. She grabbed her father's walking stick and hurried home. When she got to her house, everyone was asleep. She threw herself into bed and fell into a deep sleep. A few hours later, her mother ran into her room and cried, Mary, Mary, wake up. Something terrible has happened in town. Three boys were murdered last night. Mary stirred, and her mother could see that her hair was matted and tangled. There were dark circles beneath her eyes. Her dress was dirty, and it looked like there were blood stains on it. Mary Colhane headed into town. When she got to the house where the dead boys lived, she could see that the entire village was trying to console the devastated parents. She went up to her father and said, Please, please let me inside. No, Mary, I can't do that, he replied. What lies upstairs in that bedroom is not fit for the eyes of a young girl to behold. "'But you don't understand,' insisted Mary. "'I think I can save the lives of your three sons.' "'Mary, if you could save my three sons from the clutches of death, "'I would be forever grateful,' their father cried. "'I ask nothing,' said Mary, "'but that you let me go in there alone.' "'The father cleared the house, and Mary entered.' She walked down the darkened hallway to the kitchen. She grabbed the spoonful of blood and porridge from the floor and went upstairs. She saw the lifeless forms of the three boys lying in bed. She gently went over and put the spoon to their lips. When the first drop of blood the boys began to breathe... And with the second drop of blood, their hearts started to beat. And with the third drop of blood, all life came back into their bodies. And what rejoicing there was when Mary walked outside. The three boys were alive and well. The jubilant father came over to Mary Colhane and said, "'You have made me the happiest man ever to live.' You gave me my boy's back from the dead, safe and sound. What can I do to repay you? Well, said Mary, there's only one thing I ask of you. Always, always be sure to keep some holy water at your front door. Now, that is what I call a really good Irish horror story. I'm sure you can find more of those out there on the web or in books. Be sure to check those out, because they are really great. Now, just when you thought the horror was over, I've got one more tale for you. This one, a really creepy urban legend. It's a legend that comes from the state of Ohio. Ohio. And the title of this story is called Gore Orphanage. The legend of Gore Orphanage begins with a married couple named Johann and Katharina Sprunger, who lived in Indiana. After their young son and daughter died under mysterious circumstances, Mr. and Mrs. Sprunger decided to start an orphanage. They called their orphanage the Light of Hope Orphanage. Unfortunately, it burned down in 1899, and three orphan girls were burned alive in the blaze. Putting this tragedy behind them, the Sprungers moved to Vermilion, Ohio, where they started a new orphanage in 1903. This was called Gore Orphanage, and eventually they had over 100 boys and girls living there. But all was not well with the children of Gore Orphanage. Rumors of darkness and despair soon plagued the old place. The children told horrific stories of abuse, neglect, and slave labor. Mr. Sprunger cooked cows' heads and lungs and forced the children to eat the foul meat or starve. Mr. Sprunger beat the poor kids with a leather strap until their bodies were covered in bloody welts and bruises. He would also rent out the children to local farmers as slave labor. The boys and girls were only allowed to wash themselves once every two weeks, and they all had to use the same bath and dirty bath water. The children's rooms were infested with rats, which crawled into their beds and bit them while they lay asleep. Soon, the terrified children began trying to escape from Gore Orphanage. Some of them managed to run away from the home, wading through the Vermilion River and finding refuge with some generous people in Vermilion. One cold night in December 1923, the orphanage caught fire. Nobody knows how the blaze started. Some people say that one of the orphans accidentally knocked over an oil lamp. Others say Mr. Sprunger started the fire because he hated the children and wanted to collect insurance money. That night... Gore Orphanage burned to the ground, with all the children trapped inside. The fire swept through the old building, springing from room to room, one room to another, and so on. The children desperately tried to escape the inferno, but the stairs were blocked by flames. The dreadful cries and screams of the children trapped inside the blazing building could be heard by horrified onlookers. The deadly fire continued to burn until the screams finally fell silent and the orphanage was reduced to a charred, smoking shell. The blaze had claimed the lives of over 100 poor orphan children. Ever since that night, people have seen strange apparitions and ghostly figures lurking in the field where Gore Orphanage once stood. They say that if you go there late at night, you can still hear the sounds of children screaming and pleading for help. The air still filled with the smell of burning flesh and roasted children. Despite the fact that the site is now a vacant field, many people have heard the sound of doors opening and shutting, and footsteps walking across wooden floors. There is an old tire swing hanging from a tree near the site, where they say you can see a ghostly young boy Swinging silently back and forth. So, if you're ever near the area of Vermilion, Ohio, and you manage to find this field, perhaps you might want to venture out there at night if you're brave enough, and perhaps you may encounter some of the spooky, terrifying spirits of these poor orphan children. Or you might even run into the crazed apparitions of Mr. and Mrs. Sprunger still looking for children to terrorize. Enter at your own risk and just know that you might come away with something nightmarish that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Well, I hope you've enjoyed my spooky tales for this episode. Gruesome spooky tales, I might add. If you're hungry for more, please tune in. In a couple of weeks, I'll hopefully be back here to share more scary stories with you. For it is my pleasure to bring chills to your blood and marrow. Until then, perhaps you might want to go out and buy some holy water to keep in your house. Don't go out in the darkness and stay away from fields at night. Because you never know when you might run into one of these terrifying tales in real life. And you, you just might become part of the story. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have pleasant dreams and happy hauntings.